bastards thanks for hanging out again on misery point radio honored to have you here yet again as a prisoner in the wasteland forced to endure the audio torture that is no doubt this show i guess you can say you've been exhorted and speaking of exhorted this episode is another one you don't want to miss as our featured guest is none other than the godfather of new orleans metal himself OG Shredder, and founding member of the legendary exhorter, Vinny LaBella. Yeah, you heard me right. So, I got an opportunity to hang out with Vinny before their show in Seattle, Washington, near my hometown. And let me tell you, this was an absolute fucking blast. Vinny's a real character, he's funny as hell, he's down to earth, no holds barred, and unapologetic. Exactly as you'd imagine if you've ever seen him on videos or other interviews, it's not an act. That is, I promise you, the real deal. So it was a killer conversation about so many things. Their part in the Meditations Over North America tour with Cataclysm and Chrissian, some personal insights about the band's history in New Orleans music culture, and of course the inside scoop on their upcoming album Mourn the Southern Skies, which is their first album in 27 years. And as a side note, not only was this exhorter's first time ever playing in Seattle, it was Vinny's first time ever setting foot in Seattle. So, a pretty historic day for me to be able to do the official Seattle thing and grab a coffee at a local joint with a metal legend. So check this out, and then go pre-order more in the Southern Skies from the Nuclear Blast website, and join the cult. You won't be sorry. Are you ready for this? Check it out. Alright, so welcome back. I am here on location, Seattle, Washington, El Corazon with the guardian of the groove himself, Mr. Vinny LaBella. Vinny, thanks for joining me today, brother. Well, where you at, man? What's going on? <laughs> it's fucking Seattle, right? It's Seattle. Rain, right? cold. Not today. Not today. Yeah. Is there any more heroin left here? Uh, so much heroin, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> uh, I think there's some right there. We could get some by the tree. We can. <laughs> you can get some heroin. You can get some tweak. You can get whatever you want, brother. Amen. Whatever, whatever your game is. Or some vitamins because there's a GNC around the corner as you well. You know, I'm more of a vitamin guy these yeah, days, yeah, you, you know? You look like it. You look yeah, like yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wor- I'm, I'm working on myself. I just uh, so we were just talking a second ago. I just found out this is your first time playing in Seattle. It is. It's my first time in Seattle. Oh, it just ever being here. Yeah, and, and I've watched the, the Seahawks ruin the Saints uh, plans <laughs> on TV a couple of times. Oh. I've seen that, you know. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, no offense, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold it against you. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's my first time actually having feet on the ground in Seattle, man, and and I like the vibe of the place. Um, the weather's fucking fantastic. Yeah, well, I guess when, it, when it's not raining, we got lucky today. Right. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm so happy to be here. I've only had four hours of sleep. Right. Um, but I don't care. because yeah. it's so fucking beautiful. And you probably won't get to see a whole lot more than this one square block you're on right now before you head out to what Portland tomorrow. Yeah, and that's everywhere. You know, you know how it is. You mm-hmm. get on a bus. They what you see is the bus, the club, the bus, the club, <laughs> and maybe this coffee shop. Yep, yep. And then the fucking the the uh, junkies on the corner. You know, it, yeah. it, that happens. Yeah. You know? And that's pretty much everywhere here in the Northwest for sure, but probably everywhere else. It's in everywhere. The country, it's yeah. in New Orleans. It's fucking everywhere, man. Right. 
So, so you guys are on tour with a fellow label mates, Cataclysm, which is epic because they've been also around for a super long time, and you're on their Meditations tour. Uh, how'd you get hooked up with that? Well, we are label mates, mm-hmm. so um, our managers are tied in closely with um, their booking agent. Um, right. I think a few of the guys that uh, one of the cats in Cataclysm actually works for our booking agent or is a partner in it. So it was kind of a no-brainer. You know, we have a new album coming out. Mm-hmm. They do too. Um, they're not playing any songs in support of it, I think, on this tour. So it was just really a no-brainer to get us all together and make it a nuclear blast kind of a thing. Yeah. Chrissy and um, Hatchet, man, round out the deal. And I couldn't have picked a better tour to be on. These All of these guys are just the salt of the fucking earth. Yeah. They really are. We were just talking about Chrissy and, and how, how brutally heavy those guys are. And uh, having you two on the same bill... Uh, that's going to be killer. And I've uh, I've seen them. I've never seen Cataclysm, although I remember them from way back in the day as well. So. Yeah, there's no lack of uh, of pain and uh, <laughs> aggression on this fucking tour, man. Everybody hits it real hard, you know? Sure. So, uh, well, definitely looking forward to seeing you live tonight. But I got to ask you, um, since uh, since it's a thing, your your nickname or one of your nicknames, the Guardian of the Groove. Correct. How did that come about? Who gave you that? And do you like that association? Well, it, somebody... somebody is, Kirk, let me give you the whole story. They call me they call me Godfather back home. Right, yep, yep. And they only do that because Kirk Winstein gave me that name. Um, and it stuck like 30 years ago. Um, it, he he calls me that for several reasons, but it's not a secret back home that I was, you know, Exhorter started the heavy metal scene. Right. We were the only at, at the time it was only hardcore bands and punk, you know, and that's the scene where we were involved in. So uh, we were the first ones to, to kind of start off and kick off the metal scene in New Orleans. So, but I always tell people, man, I, Godfather's a little, you know, that's that belongs to Lemmy, you know, Ozzy, you know, <laughs> yeah. that not little old me. So somebody suggests, well, why don't you? We got a radio station back home that that's their that's their call letters, you know, the Guardians of the Grooves is right. Use use that, man. Do that. So somebody just kept putting that on my social media. So. I am the protector of the groove. The protector. I mean, look, they, 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 they keep saying I invented it. Right. And if that's true, then I got to guard it, right? Right. Okay. So, <laughs> well, yeah, so that's my job. It's, uh, it's funny. So uh, you guys are often credited with, with pioneering the, the New Orleans metal scene. And in New Orleans, not necessarily originally known for metal. You know, a lot of kind of Dixieland, old school jazz, and kind of some Caribbean influence in there as well. But you do have some people from back home, uh, you know, like Crowbar, I think I Hate God. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Some of those bands. Yeah, and they kind of, uh, they came in a little bit after us, Mm -hmm. um, and they developed a a more of a slower approach. Yeah. And when we took, and we had a couple of fast bands in town, too, that were more like us, you know. So we had a nice you know, melting pot of things going on. And then when we went away, so did the bands that wanted to kind of sound like us and be. So that our genre, our end of the genre in New Orleans really didn't get kept going. Everybody right. wanted to play slow because I had gotten Crowbar and Down were doing so well and they, everybody loves that sound back home. Um, it's that kind of sludgy kind of a genre that kind of developed after that yeah and it, and it kind of fits with new orleans because of its lazy kind of a you know they don't call it the big easy for nothing mm-hmm. you know they, they take including the music they take it real easy um so you know i'm down with it i think it's a part of new orleans history but it's definitely not the definitive sound for new orleans in, in my opinion yeah. you know because all of the bands never sounded like one another you know you can go to la you know or you can go to san francisco and everybody's got to sound a little bit like you know, Exodus or, you know, 
that kind of thing. Right. If you go to New York, you got the same kind of hardcore feel to everything. New Orleans, not really. Not back in the day. It was very diverse. Yeah. So when you guys first did uh, Slaughter in the Vatican, your sound was pretty straight ahead, just in your face thrash. And then Law came out. And that's really, I think, where that groove started getting thrown your way as far as labels go. Yes. Um, how do you define that? I mean, it, it's it's a lot of people say, oh, I fucking hate talking about the groove. But, you know, what is that to you? What does that mean when you bring that into like a thrash element? Well, it, speaking, speaking of Slaughter in the Vatican, it, in our those grooves were on that record. Yeah. There was two things going against us with that record. And, and it's why you really can't hear it that much in that in that album is our drummer played everything way too fast okay so so chris came in and kind of he wanted to speed up all the tempos and we just went with it so we, we were young and dumb so it took away the speed of the the tempos took away some of that groove. okay and also the production of that album did sure um you know we, we it's not a death metal album but we went to a death metal studio okay so we kind of that's how we kind of got clumped into that so i think slaughter in the vatican kind of fools people into thinking that there's no groove on that record and it right. is straight thrash when the law came around we, i was getting better as a musician and of course you know you i fell into the same trap we all do right it, you know you, you you've learned new new flips and tricks you want to show them off so it was a more technical album and we did pay more attention to the groove end of things to make sure the tempos were correct so we didn't lose it right. like we did in Slaughter. Um, but the whole groove thing in general, we didn't know we were creating something like that. We didn't, we didn't call it groove metal. Like you didn't you, set out to do we it. We didn't set out to do yeah. it. It just kind of happened. And, and I tell guys all the time, it's, it's, it's a product of where we grew up. Um, if, if I was born in any other city other than New Orleans, Exhorter wouldn't sound the way it does. Uh, because as we were growing up, we had the Mardi Gras Indians, we had Dr. John, we had the Meters, you know. Um, there's so many, so many, cult- Mardi Gras, there's so much culture in New Orleans that, that kind of crept, crept into our um, subconscious. Sure. And that's going to come to the forefront at some point in your music. So now that we're cognitive of it, we've, we actually can control how much we can, you know, like on a slider type level, like what can, how much groove can we pull into the mix or pull out and it's more of a percussive type of a thing you know it's not and it's a conscious thought though that enters your minds now at this point yes now now we know the math right you know i've i've been able to reverse engineer my own music and found that there is math in it you're the second person in the last three weeks to tell me that they take somewhat of a mathematical approach to how they pick their tempos and pick their pockets and their feeling and stuff like that. It's just funny to hear you say that. Yes. And and like I said, back in the day, we didn't want to do that. Right. You know, we didn't know how to do that. We were just, we were just reacting, you know, now that we've, uh, that we know we, we can control that environment some. Sure. Yeah. There's, it's definitely a diverse area, you know, where you're from. And I think that the scene is still there, but you're right. it, It doesn't, it doesn't have a definition like you go the Bay Area thrash scene or the right. Tampa Bay death metal scene or the New York hardcore scene. There's right. very few select bands, and then there's Exhorter kind of leading the fucking way. Right. So that's kind of cool. Um, I was talking to my wife this morning about something uh, kind of unrelated, but you know, I was talking about what's going on over in Florida with the hurricane and stuff, and then we were reminded we got married August 28, 2005. And then the next day was the 29th, and that's when Katrina, Katrina hit. Yeah. And we, our honeymoon was booked in New Orleans. That's oh, where wow. we were supposed to go. And, of course, that didn't happen. So 
Where were you? What was going on? What was happening with you at that time? And what do you remember about you that? You know, I, I never evacuated for a hurricane in my life. Um, we always would ride them out. Sure. And for some fucking reason, man, it, Katrina was a surprise. I woke up that Saturday morning. And they all, you know, we went to bed that night thinking everything was cool. Mm-hmm. It was going somewhere else. Because you heard about it a million times. Sure, being sure. On the they, Gulf they had and the whatnot. track kind of going somewhere else, you know. And then all of a sudden, we woke up eight hours later. It's fucking making a beeline for us. So, you know, the family looked at me and said, yeah, "Should we get out for this one?" I said, "Look, you know what? We've never done it. Let's go on a road trip." So, <laughs> we went to Memphis and evacuated, and um, you know, all, all hell fucking broke loose back home. Right. We were there for about six weeks. Came back, and we personally didn't have a whole lot of damage. Kyle, his whole fucking house was wiped out. Um, and we knew a lot of people, man, and, you know, um, some people died that we knew. Glenn Rambo died in, you know, in the hurricane. He used to sing for Soylent Green. Okay. Um, he was uh, on the roof with his mother trying to survive, and it didn't work out for either one of them. So it, it was a lot of pain, um, but we were there to, to rebuild. You know, and, and that's part of, I think that kind of lends itself to exhorter too. You know, the spirit of New Orleans is, hey man, and really it's what More in the Southern Skies is about. It's it's about standing in the face of fucking adversity, knowing that shit's coming your way. Right. But you stand and you bear it and you fucking rebuild after. And that's what kind of what we're doing with exhorter And that's what our city's done. And that's what we've always done. Um, so... You know, we, why should it be any different for us, man? Me and Kyle have been trying to keep this thing together forever. So we, just as we rebuilt for Katrina, we're doing it with this band, too. Well, that and that was kind of the thought that popped into my head was, you know, after all this time, that city is rebuilt, and it may not be exactly the same, but the feeling is the same, the attitude is the same, the history is still there. And so, and same with you guys, here you are, fast forward 2018, you announce, hey, we're not only are we back doing this this time, we're fucking doing an album, and this time we signed with fucking Nuclear Blast, right. who is probably the biggest label to do extreme music out there. Right. Um, so, uh, and then you mentioned, you know, more in the Southern Skies and kind of where that name came from, and that was definitely something that uh, that I was curious about. Um, Ten short days, that album comes out. Are you guys fucking ready for that? You know, I'm, I'm so close, uh, so to speak, to the painting, Yeah. you know, that I can't see the whole picture right now because I'm... I'm knee deep in it, you know. My, I just got done recording the record. Now we're, we're promoting it, promoting it. Now I'm on the road. Um, they've released singles, you know, and, and people are receiving it well. Yeah. And you know, I, I see the hits and everything. And, but I just look, I glance, man, and you know what I do? I put the fucking phone down and I put my nose right back to the fucking grindstone. Yeah. Whatever happens, happens, you know. But um, the the idea is that we just we focus and yeah. keep and keep close to the painting. Yeah. I'll let our managers and the label look at the whole thing and make the plan for us long term, you know. Right, but your work's not done just because the recording is done. Now oh, no, no, you've no, got no. you've got a lot probably ahead of your plate, and I'm sure after this tour is done, album comes out, it's probably more tours in the works to support the album directly. Yes, yeah, lot, yeah. Next year is off the chart, man. Yeah. I, I can't I can't announce anything at the moment, but sure. there's a lot of road work. Yeah, well, you know, they're going to come hang out at my house, guys, just so you know. It's, uh, that's where the tour's going to start. You know? Yeah, he promised me there'd be whiskey. <laughs> oh, fuck. I've got whiskey, motherfucker. I've got more whiskey than you. My wife is like, please, no more fucking whiskey at the right, house. Look, you bring, look you got, I'll bring the weed. We'll be, we'll be okay. Deal done. I'll bring Marzi Montezari with us. We'll have oh, more weed. Oh, yeah, than... he'll fucking take all the weed, though. <laughs> yes, he will. <laughs> but he'll bring some of his own and he'll pay it back. So, so 27 years, 1992, 
when exactly was that decision made? You know what? We've gotten together, kind of called it quits, got back together, called it quits. Let's fucking do this. Let's do another album. When did that conversation officially happen? You know, that's another thing. It, it was kind of a, not a mistake, but um, it, it happened by chance. Uh, myself and Jason Vybrooks was involved in a project um, with Sasha and, and another gentleman. Um, and uh, it was going to be another band. See, and the thing was, is I, I've had this material burning in my right. pocket for a long time. I seem to remember something about 2008 or so. The first blurb was like, hey, we're doing new shit. Yes. You know? and, and, and we tried to do it then, too. That lasted about three years. But we had some internal issues. Sure. And, and it didn't come to fruition. But um, the... Um, what was what was the question again? Man? I'm having I'm having brain I'm having brain. I ate way too many edibles last you hang night. Hang out with Marzi already today. Yeah, so. he's fucking corrupting me and <laughs> no, shit. No, I was uh, what I was going after was when did that conversation jump the ball to say let's actually do this album this time? Oh right, right, right. Um, so 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 anyway, um, I was already involved in that project with uh, with Jason, and um, I was playing material that was meant for Exhorter in that project. So um, some things you know, happened and, uh, you know, Jason just looked at me one day and says, Hey man, why don't, why don't we just do exhorter again? And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, I can't, I don't, I don't want to do that without Kyle. You know, right. he's like, and, I, and at the time me and Kyle weren't talking. So, um, he says, well, did you ask him? I said, well, uh, no, <laughs> he says, well, maybe you should try that. So I did, man. And you know, he, he was immediately open to it. And, and it was beautiful because me and him were able to patch up some, you know, some things that, sure. you know, some instances we had in the past, you know. So we, it was a clean, clean break. Um, and we decided to put the past in the past and go with the lineup that we already had um, with the other project. So And um, that was the one from around 2011 or so? That was uh, actually 2016 okay. or so. I was doing that with Jason. Gotcha. Um, so it was easy. I just took the guys over, man, to, to Exhorter. Kyle brought in Marzi, you know, on, on the second guitar. Um, we had a couple of guys we were looking at, but Marzi was just a no-brainer, you yeah. know. So now we got we got a lineup that cares. They they all and all of us are faced and focused into one direction, which is what you need for longevity. Sure. You know? And great music. Yeah. And so the music that's that's basically coming out on this album. Has this have these songs been works in progress over the years, or did you scrap old material and say fuck it, we're starting from scratch in 2016? No, I I have riffs on this album that are literally, you know, 1992 riffs that didn't make that it didn't to the make law. The law, right? Okay. It just you know, I got stuff that old. I have stuff that's um, that was written in 05 around Katrina era. Um, I got stuff from 09. I got stuff from from 98. Um, when we tried to do a little run back then between 98 and 2000, we, it was, wasn't really publicized, but, um, just kind of a, like a home show kind of a thing. Yeah. That's all the way we played two home, two nights, you know, at home and then just, you know, just didn't last. We're very dysfunctional if you haven't noticed. (laughs) Um, who isn't in this industry? Yeah, I know. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a ton of material from different eras of my life, you know, and riff wise, you know, I'm speaking. Um, I didn't write any of the lyrics on this record, but um, so so yeah, it's it's very diverse, and I still have a ton of material left over for more albums to come. Yeah, well, hey, more albums to come is a good sign. 
that things right now are seeming pretty healthy, right? Yeah, I'm about five or six ideas into the next one, man. Yeah. So, I mean, are you are you cognitively thinking next one, or are you just saying, I just got enough shit that if it came to pass, I could probably do another one here relatively soon? Well, so that's the thing. You know, I, I have a very large filter that I've run all of these riffs through. Right. And, and some of them just got to get, I never sh- shit can them. I just put them on the shelf, you right. know, and I take them off and dust them off every now and then and see if it works with something new that I've written. Um, and that's just the cycle. I go up, I, I write in the front and then go check in the back and then bring something from the back forward and then repeat process. So um, I'm not really setting out to go for a certain sound or, or a certain theme or, um, you know, I need five fast songs and five slow songs. You know, I don't do that kind of thing. I, I write the music that's on my heart to, to, to give you, you right. know. Um, I think that's a common misconception, you know, some people have about this band. You know, they think, okay, it's a thrash band. Okay, that's no, it's a death metal band. No, it's a groove band. No, it's it's now it's a doom. I got some stuff on this album that sounds a little doomy. Yeah. Um, we're none of those things, but we're all of those things. And then some, you know. So what we're trying to do, if we do have a plan, the plan is to dispel any notion that you, you we don't want you putting us in a category. Because, because me and Kyle have uh, made a pact when we were younger that we don't want to do the same album twice. Right. So far, we haven't. Yeah. You know, they're very different from one another. Well, and it's funny you mention that because so you got Slaughter and then you got The Law and then I'm listening to kind of the videos that you guys have put out there and I don't know if it's because you've kind of worked with uh, with Jens who's kind of known for some of those really hardcore like Amon Amar right. and you know uh, Opeth and stuff like that but it's fast and then it slows you get that really sludgy kind of vibe to it and it's got like a really modern polished production sound but it sounds different but it feels the same I don't know how to describe it but yeah yeah it's it well it, our last two recordings were shit <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not going to Well, they're not boombox in the garage Well, shit, no, they're not know. that bad, you know. But when they, when they hand you $10,000 in, in an era where you need a half a million to make a, a, a real record, sure, it's tough, you know. Yeah, well, that's why dudes do their own shit now, because, you know, yeah. the fucking recording studio, you get rid of your wallet, you may as well, it's gone. Well, and that's what we did on this one. We, we you know, I, I, there's a studio that, I you know, I work with Dwayne Simino um, a lot, and he's real close to the house. And right. he does Crowbar, he does some down, he did some work with Down. Um, and he's already familiar with you. Yeah, and he, he knows me. We, we used to rehearse in his space, you know. Um, we still do now. Um, so, you know, years ago. But, I, you know, I work with Dwayne, and I produced the, the record myself with him as an assistant producer on it. Oh, shit. And we did all of the tracking. So our, our raw tracks were given to Jens so that Jens could color it. and Because all Jens did was mix and master it. Right. But he wasn't involved in the physical production of it. Correct, yeah. He was just, so we sent it off to him and we worked with him very closely to make sure he wasn't losing anything that we, you know, that we had created in that home studio. But um, he did an amazing job. I mean, it didn't take long, you know. It's almost like he connected with us, you know, on a a higher plane somehow because he's all the way to And he's in Sweden, right? Yeah, he's all the way to fucking Sweden. I'm in New Orleans, you know, and I'm, you know... (laughs) I'm doing the whole Skype fucking thing with him and everything. And it, and it worked out great, man. He got it, you yeah. know. And and if it and if it does sound a little too polished, it might be because Jens is that kind of producer, you know. He's a more modern sound guy. The thing the the, the big reason for choosing Jens is because no matter how many fucking instruments you put in, 
he does all of this shit with septic flesh, man, with all of the symphonic with the stuff, orchestral man. stuff. He'll bring yeah. in a hundred fucking guys, man, and and you can hear a pin drop in his mix. There's so much headroom that you you can hear everything. Nothing gets buried in his mixes, and that's what we wanted was just clarity right. to what we do. We wanted for the finally for the fucking first time in in our career sound like we sound live. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of things where you've brought that up, and that's one of the goals that you've had for a long time, was how do we take the raw energy that Exhorter is known for with your shows, and your craziness, and your comedy, and just kind of all the, the antics you guys do sure. on stage, and that chemistry, how do we bring that and record it, and have people think that that's the same band, and so, do you feel like you've accomplished that with this one? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, um, I do, I do feel, I'll be honest, I, I I'm, I'm already catching heat from some of the purists yeah. um, that have heard the two singles, you know. Ah, this doesn't sound like the old Exhorter. Well, well we're not then the go fucking e- listen to the old Exhorter. Right, then, we're right? not the old Exhorter. And, and that's the point, too, is that, you know, okay, you, if you don't like the new thing that we're doing, you still have the other two. Right. So, yeah, I get a little heat, you know, and, you know, I just implore those people to don't, because it doesn't sound like the old stuff, doesn't mean you should throw it away. Listen to the goddamn thing, and trust me, you'll find some of the things in it that you loved about the old days because it is it is there. Yeah, I, I got the old I got the old vibe off it still, and I guess coming from like you get people that are musicians, I think have a different perspective on sonic quality than people who aren't musicians, and some people just hold on to that old I've got I have to have it be this way. But if you don't grow and you don't progress, then you're just rehashing the same shit over and over again. What's the point, right? Right. And, and you know, I mean, that's a business plan, too. Right. Consistency, right? I mean, I'm not saying that bands do it on purpose out of fear, you know, because and, and I would imagine some of them do. You sure. know, hey, look, we don't want to change our shit up. Everything's working. Don't change what's working. Well, if you make a conscious effort to fucking do that out of the, for the sake of consistency and, and, and a buck, well then how do you grow? Right. You know, I mean, cause I can guarantee you, man, some of these cats want to do and br- all the shit and branch out and express themselves in a different way as they get older and new influences come in, new life events, right? new anything. But uh, I can't do that cause I play fucking heavy metal and the purists are going to fucking crucify me and I'll be out of a job and I'll be doing dishes somewhere. It, it, fuck that. You know, look, I don't do this for the money. Sure. I get busy. Well, I get, I'm okay. Let's just put it that way. I'm out here on four hours of fucking sleep, you know, full of fucking marijuana, trying to cope, trying to, you know, trying to do what I got to do to to make this happen because I love doing it. I'm here to express myself and connect with my fans, man. You know, I, I don't write the songs for them. I never wrote a song for another person in my life. I write the songs for me and my band members. I play the shows for the fans. And I don't hide out in fucking green rooms either. You can catch me at the edge of the fucking bar every fucking night out here and right. come over and have a conversation with me because that's why I'm here. Yeah. You know, and, but I would and I would hope other bands would would, you know, if, if they're if it's in their heart to branch out, don't you know, don't let anybody skew you, man, and, and say, no, nah, no, nah, that doesn't sound like us. We gotta be consistent, you know. Yeah. Play what's on your heart to play. 
you hear you hear that a lot with people that are especially getting into their first label negotiations i really want to get signed i really want to be on a label i really want that yeah and then sometimes that changes the course you know but uh yeah i find you know be true to yourself and what you want to do and ultimately somebody's going to pick that up and that's the thing that, yeah. that's what we've always done even when we were kids you know and it might be the only reason why people still give a shit about us sure. today you know i mean how many how many fans would stick with a band for 30 years that keep threatening to come back and and you know do another album and goes away. Right. Oh, here they come again. Oh, they fuck. It got to a point where they wouldn't even take us serious. Oh, they ba- they back again. Oh, they back. Yeah, that should last right. a year. You know, yeah, I'll give it two days. Well, I'm I'm here to fucking <laughs> rub their nose in the shit. Nice. You know? So well, I was talking to Kyle a few minutes before you came out of the bus, and and we were just kind of marveling at you know the crowds and how things change. But who do you expect? I mean, this album, it's for you. It's for your band. But who do you think? is going to be the ones listening to the most? Is it going to be new fans, or is this your old-school fans are, are going to go for this one, too? Well, I'm hoping that the, the young crowd picks up on it. Right. And, and I see that they are. You know, I, I have some guys coming up to me at shows, man, that, you know, weren't born before, you know, when we, were, <laughs> when we did Slaughter in the Vatican. And, right. Uh, you know, and, and they and they just, dude, I heard y'all for the first time. I'm, I'm, I'm sold, you know. They Love kept it. telling me about y'all, never gave y'all a chance. I saw you live tonight. There it is. I, th- I hope it's the young guys, man, because it's the young guys that's going to carry the genre forward. I think the old cats will dig it, but I do believe that some of the real hard asses, man, that are just, and God bless, they need, look, we need those guys too, right? Right. Keeping it real. It doesn't sound like Slaughter in the Vatican. I'm not buying it. That's okay, you know? So I think I'll lose a few old fans, you know, on this one, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because they still piece. got the other two. And and here's the, listen, the whole point is this: Exhorter won't make the same album twice. Right. So what's cool is is if you didn't like the last one, you might like the next one because I guarantee you it won't sound like the last yeah. one. Yeah. And if you don't like this one, then fucking you got one more you coming got, in 27 years. Right. Right. Eventually, <laughs> I'll hit something that you dig. You know. <laughs> I got that thing. You know about me. That I'll, I'll find what you like. You know. Yeah. We'll get on in line. Well, so you mentioned that you didn't do much in the way of lyrical stuff, um, but you and Kyle, primarily, you're, you're still the two main songwriters. Is that that still the case? On this one, there's one song on this record, uh, "Rumination." Uh, Jason gave me the the skeleton of it, and I just took the uh, um, the structure and kind of exorterized it a little bit. And <laughs> exorterized. Yeah, it. that's kind of you know. <laughs> and Jason writes uh, some stuff, man. And it's very similar to, to to what we do, but it has more of a West Coast type feel. Uh, because that's where his roots are. You know, right, he, and he, he was in Heathen, right? Heathen, uh, Grip Incorporated. Grip, yeah. He was with, with that Dave. Dave Lombardo, yeah. Yeah. So he's, um, you know, he he's got his own style. So, but yeah, for for the most part, the guys just kind of step back and say, "Listen, you got all of this material. Let us let you get this record off of your mm-hmm. chest." So the next record, I still have a ton of material, but I'm getting the guys involved. Yeah, I mean, you, you got some some pretty heavy hitters. I mean, all of you guys. Yes. Some some pretty big pedigrees and Sasha hanging out with Forbidden. Yes. Um, yeah. which is one of my favorite bands from back in the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Me just too. Crazy. So I mean, and I'm I would be curious to see when you get other people involved in what you're known for, kind of what what that adds to the gumbo if you will yeah and, and and i'm interested in it too because i've heard them loose jamming yeah. you know and um you know sasha and marzi will stand across from what you know get across from one another and um 
and I'll I'll peek my head in the room and go, is that for you? Or is that for me? You know, because Marzi's got his <laughs> Marzi's got his own band. You know, yeah. He's like, this this one could be for you. You know, so he's he's kind of picking and choosing. So yeah, I can't wait to get those motherfuckers involved. You oh, know? that's gonna be awesome. So um, now you've done a couple of videos. I assume that that was uh, a nuclear blast thing, saying, hey, let's get some shit out before the album's out. Sure. How, how was that experience? Did you like doing that? Well, you know, I've never done a video. Yeah. Kyle's done a, a bunch of them, right? So when it came video time. Um, we had a we had a pretty low budget doing it, so um, I was like, and we got resources back home. So I said, Kyle, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here, you know. Producing producing the album is one thing, producing a video, you do it, right? Whatever you say goes, man. This is your baby. So I I've just stepped off, man, and watched the whole process. He put together the whole thing. The the you know now the lyric video for Hollowed Sound was a nuclear blast. Um, you know, throw together. Yeah, they love those lyric videos, don't they? They do, yeah. They, I guess because, I don't know why, I, I would imagine they were a little cheaper to make, maybe, yeah. you know, as a follow-up single. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I let Kyle produce the whole thing, and he brought in the whole crew, man, and uh, we got in that sweaty-ass warehouse. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, it, and it, it really, I mean, it was authentic. Here's the thing, like, the fucking guy that's doing the video, he brought, you know, sp- spray bottles to make it look like we were sweaty. right. But it was fucking 98 degrees. So you didn't fucking need the spray bottle. Didn't fucking need the spray bottles, you know, until after we were done to fucking cool off, you know. Yeah. So, But, yeah, it was a fun process to watch, man, you know, and and it was nice to be able to not be involved in in that aspect of it because you're involved in every little fucking thing, you know. Right. It was nice to sit back and watch Kyle just do his thing, you know. That's awesome. Well, the videos came out great. Um, The sound sounds great. I, for one, am a fan of the sonic quality of the songs because I, nice. I I like the clarity I like to hear all the instruments I like you know rawness is great you know rawness is great to get the idea across but a little polish definitely doesn't fucking hurt that's for sure no and you know what man I, I'm so old I don't even know what the fuck they mean anymore <laughs> I, 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 some guy said oh you in that brick wall fucking production brick wall what the fuck are you talking about and, and somebody told me recently oh no that's a thing in music now the brick wall production and he explained it to me and I didn't even fucking understand it so I'm being accused of putting on a brick Shit, wall production. you don't production. even know what it is. Yeah, and I don't even know what the fuck it is. I'm thinking, okay, you want to hear this riff or do you want to fucking lose it like you did in Slaughter in the Vatican? There is so much shit on Slaughter in the Vatican that is inaudible that if we ever fucking re-recorded it, if you thought it was fucking killer back then, you'd shit your fucking pants if you could really hear all the fucking shit that we're doing on that record. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying B-sides down the road. Bring That's that what shit I'm back. Yeah, 30th you know? anniversary's coming oh. uh, for that record, so you never know what could happen. In Seattle, just saying. <laughs> no pressure. I mean, who am I? But, you know, come on. No, I love pressure. <laughs> I eat pressure for breakfast and shit results by a fucking lunch. There you go. And four hours of sleep. Maybe. <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> so what are we gonna what are we gonna hear from you guys tonight? You're gonna play the new album in full, you're gonna play a mix of old and new. I mean, I know in the past you guys have done the whole album performance thing. Yeah. No, tonight we're gonna give a, a, a bit of everything. We're gonna play the two singles. Okay. Uh, we'll do my time and hollow sound off the new record. Um we're, we're gonna do two or three off of the law, um, and the rest will be slaughter in the Vatican. See? Here's your chance, motherfuckers. Come check out the shit yes, as indeed. it's intended to be played. That's it. And speaking of intended to be played, since there's always been that controversy, not controversy, but the thought from you guys of really getting an album to capture that live sound again, last live album you guys did back in 94, Live Death, how about doing another live recording of some of these shows coming out? That That's what I would like to do. I'd like to take a crew on the road and, yeah. and just record you know, we'll play all of the songs off of Slaughter in the Vatican on a particular tour of different cities. Sure. And have them capture it. 
and then go back home with it and mix it up and figure out what you you know what takes or, or the best and yeah. keep what we you know and release it as a as a live album. Yeah, and that you know, would be my wish. All know? that new technology, you can still capture that live sound, get the crowd, get the room reverb, get all that stuff. Yes, but you know get that mic right up on those cabs and get that thumping drum sound. Right. You can get all that shit now with clarity in a live setting. I mean, definitely doable. Right. I, yeah. Instead of going back in a studio and re-recording the album, yeah, I, I think it would be a, a nice accoutrement to that album to have a live um, situation that, it, sure. you know, was raw and captured it, you know, like it was being played back in the eighties, you know? So what can people expect today 2019 in seattle and for the rest of your tour from an exhorter show well it, it's it's more of a geriatric uh convention <laughs> lots we, of wheelchairs and walkers yeah, and shit like that ibuprofen whiskey and weed uh we do a lot of that before we go on well you know it, it's actually more of a stretch uh routine we we you know it, we look like a couple of like fucking uh who's that guy with the fucking short shorts and he you know um, <laughs> fucking Richard Simmons. Right, that fucking, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like that. You know, we back there stretching so we don't pull our ass muscle or nothing. Because old people pull their ass all the time. They just don't publicize it. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what it looks like. But, you know, here's the thing, man. When the, when the intro music comes on, we come alive, man. And, and we out there doing the shit we used to do when we was fucking teenagers. And running circles around young motherfuckers. Sure, and not realizing what we're doing until we actually step off the motherfucker and we're like, oh, Jesus, oh, God, you know, fucking back hurts, you fucking this hurts. Hey, 24 hours, you feel good again, you know, and you go do it up one more time. So that's what you're going to get tonight. <laughs> that's what we're going to get tonight. What else can you ask for? I I'm mean, gonna, I'll beat your head in with a velvet bat. I always think an exhorter show is kind of like that. It's a classy way to get your ass whipped. Yeah. You know, today. <laughs> Not like back in the day. Back in the day, you got to Don't people. hurt anybody's feelings, man. You can get arrested for that shit now. Yeah, I know. You need right? a safe space. I know, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry if I've offended anyone. Yeah, can you no, believe that? I, no, I'm definitely not. I'm fucking <laughs> lying. Y'all know I'm lying. Come on, pussies. Go to the show. Come to this motherfucker and get your head beat in with a fucking velvet baseball bat. Uh, get your head beat in with that sick-ass SP Godfather. Which, I know, uh, right? By the way, Scott wanted me to ask you, ask Vinny about the headstock. Yeah, yeah. The headstock's been a fucking problem. It, the, uh, let me say now, if if, if, I, if any of y'all out there work for TSA, <laughs> tune out, okay? You're, in, you're not allowed at my shows, okay? I, fuck all TSA, because they broke that headstock fucking three times. What? Physically broke it? Yeah, well, it, it just a chip off the edge you know it has a little, little curve on the edge and uh they keep you know they, they bust open my guitar cases constantly because the thing looks like it's, it's carrying a, a, fucking a missile weapon, you know? right? yeah yeah so they open it and they, they're like oh look at this fucking confounded thing i got two guitars in his case they pull them out you know and they fucking put them back and all fucked up so they broke it so i i just leave it broke now I just leave it off of that because all they're gonna do is break it off. I've had it glued fucking three times. So there's times. literally no headstock on your guitar. Well, no, the headstock's oh, there. Okay. It's just a little piece, a little chip of it, off of yeah. the top, which which is kind of cool, you know. Because it's got a battle scar. Man, look, I've fucking went, war wound. That is my main fucking axe, man. I I only play my other guitars when I got to do a change out for a different tuning or something. Yeah. Um, that guitar is strapped on me, and it's built like a fucking tank. Yep. And it can take that punishment, man. Yeah. And it stays in tune, and it sounds fucking amazing. That dude's a that dude is a the best fucking kept secret in, in heavy metal right now, but we're trying to change that. Yeah, yeah. Give him so much work, you can't possibly fucking do it, right, Scott? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I want him doing. I want him busy as all hell, man. <laughs> all right. So, 
couple of quick questions from some listeners before we get you out of here for the day. Indeed. So, listener question, Mike Austin. I've heard a couple of different pronunciations of the band name. Can you clear it up once and for all? Is it Exhorter or is it Exhorter? I'm going Exhorter. Yeah, that's what it is. All right. The H is silent. Matter of fact, we were thinking about making T-shirts that said Exhorter. The H is silent, motherfucker. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but that's how you pronounce it. It's Exhorter. And the second part to that question is, what the hell is an <laughs> Well, if you look it up in a dictionary, you won't find it. Right. Because uh, we changed the, the D, From uh, the, a T? the T to a D. Yeah. Um, and we did that so that no one could copy the name and we wouldn't get into a copyright, copyright infringement. fucking infringement yeah, thing. Sure. You know? So, um, yeah, so it's got its own spelling, but it is the meaning of that word to exhort something. Okay. To, to force someone to do something maybe against their will or to, you know, uh, you know, pump them up to do something. Sure. You know, kind of like you guys subjecting people to your music against their will. Shit like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Right. You, 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 you may not like this, but you, <laughs> you're going to hear it. Awesome. Uh, thanks, David. All right. Another one. Alan Jimenez. What do metal vocalists do to warm up or practice? I've heard her- herbal tea and warm water. I wasn't sure if Kyle was going to be here. No, man. I, and I can, well, I, I see what he does, man. And all he does is some cardio. Yeah. That's it. He runs, he, he runs back and forth behind the curtain, you know, for about maybe 10 or 15 minutes before we go on. He jumps up and down. You put on his oxygen tank and his fucking pajamas and that's his slippers his and he, shit. And, and that's kind of, <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what I do too, man, because you don't want the shock of being sitting on your ass all day in a bus. Right. And then walking directly out there and doing some kind of aerobicizing bullshit. So you want to, you know, so he just wants to open his lungs up. Sure. He doesn't drink any special beverages. So or he anything. stays away from Marzi, is what you're saying. You got to. <laughs> Marzi gets his own green room. It's like literally it's, a green room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so green you can't even go in there. It's like having Tommy Chong for a fucking guitar <laughs> player. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and uh, let's see. Oh, one more. David Jones. I saw a video that showed some of the pedals you were using at one point. Are you still using pedals, or have you gone the Kemper route like a lot of other guitarists? Well, I, I fought the Kemper thing for years. Mm-hmm. I've owned one for four years, but I never played it, you know, heavy metal with it. I always played I played in an organ trio back home, sure. you know, local stuff, you know, Mardi Gras Indians. I played with them for a little while. Right on. So I fought it, man, you know, and... But I, I did it, man. I went, I went over, I bought some campers, man, and, and took them into the studio. And we did some pretty elaborate multi-miking things, man, and, and some, some shit with my real rigs. And it captured it fucking perfectly. Yeah. So, you know, because, man, look, you show up at some of these festivals, and it's a crapshoot what you're going to wind up playing on. Right. You know? um, it, it was so bad one time, uh, we sh- I won't say the name of the festival, but when we showed up and Margie's rig was so fucked up, my sound man pulled him out of the mix. He would only turn him up on solos. I was the only guy in the fucking mix out front. So um, campers we use now just because I know wherever I show up, I sound the way I sound. Right. And I don't have to, you know, it's it's represented truly. So, yeah, I did go to Kemper route, but it is with my own gear. So then what are you what are you profiling with the Kemper? I'm what? profiling angles. I use the angle fi- fireballs. Fireballs. Okay. I got a 60 and a 100 watt that I use. Okay. And I pump the front end. Um both of them with um, Maxon um, 808. Okay. Uh, the overdrive. Yeah, yeah, the overdrive, the green guy. Green guy. And I also use a, a, a graphic EQ. Okay. And I pump the 800 um, hertz. And that and graphic, the, you're just throwing in on some solos or something? No, it's of, on all the time. Oh, all the time. Yeah, it's part cool. of the actual tone. Nice. So so we're really driving the front 
side of the heads and my gain is not my gains really at like three or four man it's not high at all right uh, because the front end's being pumped so much so and that's it you know and it and i use a little thickening agent you know um that i like to keep secret sure you know but it's a little something i put in the effects loop that I inch in ever so slightly to give it a little glassiness, you know. I gotta keep look. You remember back hey. in the day, man? We would, these guys would never tell you what they was using, how they got their guitar tones. No, now, that's when you get motherfuckers like me were creeping up on stage and getting thrown off. <laughs> I just looking at the pedal board, dude. I'm just looking at your pedal board. You know? Well, I just gave you ninety percent of what we use, so there it is. Hey, there you go. Are you happy, David? You got the secret sauce. <laughs> awesome. All right. This or that, gumbo or jambalaya. That. <laughs> Jambalaya. All right. Etouffee or red beans and rice? Red beans, baby. He's a red beans and rice kind of guy, keeping it simple. Po' boy, muffaletta. Muffaletta. I'm, fu- <laughs> I'm fucking Italian. This is yeah. no brainer. <laughs> All right. Marie Laveau or Dr. John? Dr. Motherfucking John. Because, the voodoo because without Dr. John, <laughs> there would be none. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. The real deal. From the Godfather himself, Mr. Vinny LaBella. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you hanging out today. I had a pleasure. It was a pleasure, man. I had a fucking ball. It's much better sitting over here with you than it is sitting over there with them 16 sweaty motherfuckers I've been dealing with. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I don't doubt that. I'm sure that thing smells heavenly right about now. It's fantastic. <laughs> foot, foot balls, fucking. I, it even smells like pussy in there. We got a chick on the road. Hey, there you go. Uh, what's his name? All right, guys, we're going to check out the show tonight. I'll uh, catch you up, and uh, you guys will hear this conversation real soon. Thanks again, brother. Thanks, Seattle. Appreciate y'all. Man, did I not tell you that was awesome? How fucking cool was that? Also, want to give a quick shout out to Kyle Thomas for giving me a few minutes of his time before the show, and also to the tour manager, Justin Roth, for being super badass and letting me hang out with y'all. Can't thank you enough. And to all you old school guys who refuse to give new material from OG bands a chance, I tell you, you are missing out on awesomeness. So check out the upcoming Exorder album, Mourn the Southern Skies, coming September 20th on Nuclear Blast Records, who also owns the recording of this song. So don't steal this shit. Pre-order it now, or just go buy it. Here's a new one called Hallowed Sound. Save your pain and leave your body sinking. Make your water 